0: Sup you beautiful bastards, hope you have a fantastic Tuesday. Is that also, is that the most tone deaf intro at this point? I feel like I'm saying that while the set behind me is on fire or maybe it's more hopeful or aspirational either way. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're going to talk about today is non-coronavirus news. It turns out there is still some. So if you're unaware, there's this new viral trend that has resulted in a number of big people under fire. You might have already seen an example of this trend on, on your timeline for, for Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever, but mugshots right now are rather popular, right? And there are numerous examples of this. You've had users making compilation videos of real mugshots featuring people they find interesting or attractive. That eventually morphed into people staging their own mugshots shot photos. And a typical post here would be someone with messy hair, smudged mascara, some costume makeup that roughens up their look. Some holding up signs of fake or funny reasons for their arrest. Others have even pretended to get into fights or staged scenarios that might lead to a fake arrest. Some have also taken it further, adding fake bruises, black eyes, bloody noses. And while there were people that had issues with this trend, especially the ones with bruised or bloody faces, the people that ended up getting hit the hardest were three massive influencers through the likes of YouTuber James Charles, TikTok creator Avani Gregg, and Vlog Squad member Corinna Copp. Now this could have also been in part because these creators posted on Instagram and Twitter where some were somewhere unaware of the TikTok trend and so people were confused and surprised. James Charles, for instance, posted his look without a caption and he was flooded with comments accusing him of triggering domestic violence survivors and glamorizing abuse. And according to Insider in a since-deleted tweet, James said that he changed his Instagram caption to joke about getting punched, but he changed it back soon after because making that joke wasn't funny. But still, his replies were full of stories from domestic violence survivors who found the look offensive. And you know, in those comments we saw him defending himself, trying to explain the trend that it has nothing to do with domestic abuse, writing, what about action movies, Halloween, special effects, simple bloody noses, this is nothing new. Also now deleted tweets, he also pointed to bloody looks by The Weekend and Billie Eilish, writing, I haven't seen a single tweet about him glorifying violence or abuse, can someone please explain how it's any different, I'm really trying to understand. But ultimately he ended up deleting that post and wrote, despite the fact that hundreds of other influencers and artists have done something similar, I deleted the mugshot trend because it was never my intention to trigger anyone. and it's a way Waste of time trying to have an open discussion with people who hate me regardless. how Savani Gregg responded to the backlash, apologizing, then going on to explain the storyline for the character she took on in a series of TikTok posts. Corina also deleting her photos as well, though I haven't seen her release any sort of statement, which honestly makes sense. I mean, oftentimes these days the best response is no response, and often instead of calming down a situation, it amplifies it and it opens you up for an even bigger hit. And I mean, you just look at this situation. The person who's become the face of this controversy and scandal around this trend is James Charles. Like, if you just look at the coverage today, his face is plastered everywhere. And also understand, I'm not blaming him for responding to what's happening, but I think it highlights why others often do not speak. With this story, I did wanna pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on this? Right, do you think that this trend is stupid? It's offensive. And if you do think that it's offensive, right, is it more the domestic violence angle? Or uh, I've seen a lot of people arguing that it's dismissive of mass incarceration. Or are you on the other end of this? Do you think this is completely overblown? You people seeing this out of context, not understanding the trend, they're just lashing out. Yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Let me know. And then let's talk about our douchebag of the day. Lorraine Maradiaga. And Lorraine is a very special 18 year old girl in Texas who is now facing a charge of making a terroristic threat. And the reason she's facing that charge is that there are these Snapchat videos of her going around where uh, it appears to show her going to a drive-through testing site, where a nurse is heard telling the person behind the steering wheel that they need to go home while they wait for results. And then later in a number of other videos, we, uh, one, we see her in what she claims to be a Walmart. (laughs) We also see her in her car, coughing on camera. If you want to get the coronavirus, woo, f- die, call me. And I will meet you up at all, of, all over you. And I will there's also another clip that I can't play because there's copyrighted music in it, but it appears to show her acknowledging that people have been screen recording those previous videos. She says, I don't care, make me famous. And so I guess to Lorraine, I want to say, I and the Carrollton Texas Police are happy to do our part. And to anyone out there that happens across this video and has information, the, the Carrollton Texas Police would love for you to call this number or Email this email because she's still out there. She's set to be charged with a crime. The police are looking for her. Her family is reportedly working with the authorities. And to Lorraine, uh, I think you're about to get a lesson in the difference between famous and infamous. You are not only our douchebag of the day, but another prime example that allows me to say Don't be stupid, stupid. And then, of course, let's talk about our daily coronavirus numbers. As of 4 p.m. Eastern Time, worldwide, there were now 1.4 million confirmed cases, 81,103 total deaths, total recoveries at 297,934. And in the United States, there were 386,800 confirmed cases, 12,285 deaths, 20,191 confirmed recoveries. Now, regarding coronavirus numbers, something interesting in the United States is that it appears to be disproportionately impacting African-American communities. Right, and the percentages here are rather staggering. Right, taking a look at Louisiana, the state has a little under 15,000 cases, over 500 deaths. And of those who died, 70% were black, and that was a standout percentage because black people make up roughly one-third of the population. With the state's governor, John Bel Edwards, calling this figure disturbing and adding, that deserves more attention, and we're going to have to dig into that and see what we can do to slow that trend down. But Louisiana is far from alone. Uh, take Chicago, for example. There, one-third of the population is comprised of African-Americans. They've lost 118 people to this virus. And of the 118 people Chicago has lost to this virus, 81 of those are black residents, making them 70% of the total deaths there. In Milwaukee, where African-Americans make up 27% of the population, they make up 35 of the 49 deaths thus far. And looking at all of this, according to the New York Times, there are multiple factors that lead to these numbers. African-Americans are generally considered a higher risk in any outbreak. This because it's said that they are less likely to be insured, more likely to have pre-existing conditions, and because of implicit racial bias, they're being denied testing and treatment at a higher rate. So you pair that with the fact that they're also less likely to have Jobs that allow them to work from home. And in fact, according to the Economic Policy Institute, while 30% of white Americans and 37% of Asian Americans can work from home, only 20% of African Americans can, with that number being smaller for Hispanic and Latino workers. And right, so all of that combined with lower access to adequate healthcare puts them in an incredibly vulnerable spot. Right, Understand, it's not just these places that I'm mentioning right now experiencing this. The number of cities and states are seeing this pattern as well, but also there's a lack of information from a number of places. Right, According to NBC News, as of right now, only eight states in DC have reported how the coronavirus has impacted various demographics, like racial population. Now this lack of reporting could stem from a number of reasons. Firstly, states are not required to do so, but also secondly, collecting all this data could be difficult, and even if the data is collected, some might fear that the information is unreliable. But also, there are big efforts right now urging states and federal governments to share this information so that this huge imbalance can be addressed. With some politicians arguing, this lack of information will exacerbate existing health disparities and result in the loss of lives in vulnerable communities. It will also hamper the efforts of public health officials to track and contain the novel coronavirus in the areas that are the highest risk of continued spread. But ultimately, for now, we have to wait to see what happens there, and also if this trend continues. And then let's talk about elections, because yes, the election later this year, it is a big, but in fact, the Wisconsin primary election is happening right now. This is a huge deal because Wisconsin is the first state to hold a major in-person election since the majority of states issued shelter-in-place orders, including the state of Wisconsin. It also makes the state the only one to hold in-person elections this month after more than a dozen other states push theirs. with this election today, there's been a lot of confusion back and forth over whether or not it was actually happening. So let's break down what happened, right? So, So yesterday, Democratic Governor Tony Evers issued an executive order delaying the election until June 9th, and according to reports, Evers held off on this move until the last minute for a few reasons. First, it's not just the Primary. In fact, a lot of local offices on the ballot there start their terms in April. And secondly, it's said that this is because state law says that only the state legislature can change the date of the election. Now the GOP-led legislature refused to change the date or allow the election to go forward with all mail-in ballots. So when Evers went ahead with the executive order, the state legislature filed a legal challenge, saying that the governor was exceeding his constitutional authority. And shortly after that, the state Supreme Court, which has a conservative majority right now, shot down the order and said that the election had to happen today. And in fact, in another kick to Evers, the US Supreme Court blocked a federal court ruling that would have extended absentee voting until April 13th. And in a five to four vote, the Supreme Court ruled that extending the deadline for absentee voting, quote, fundamentally alters the nature of the election. All four of the liberal justices dissented with Ruth Bader Ginsburg writing, the question here is whether tens of thousands of Wisconsin citizens can vote safely in the midst of a pandemic. With a majority stay in place, that will not be possible. Either they will have to brave the polls, endangering their own and others' safety, or they will lose their right to vote through no fault of their own. And so it seems that in fact, that's the decision that voters had to make today. But it's also not just the voters. talking about poll workers, election officials. While officials have said that they're taking precautions to protect their health and voting precincts, they've also said that all this legal back and forth has created confusion and logistical problems. This is also made worse by the fact that thousands of poll workers have refused to work, with some reportedly saying that they were being asked to risk their health. And so that's why we were seeing, according to reports, roughly 2,400 National Guardsmen were being trained as poll workers as late as Monday. Though, reportedly, it still will not come close to the more than 7,000 who have already said that they cannot work. And because of the lack of poll workers, officials have shut down tons of polling stations. With one of the most dramatic examples being in Milwaukee, where the number of polling locations was cut from 180 to five. This despite the fact that election workers expect more than 50,000 voters to turn out today. Which also means that those who do decide to vote and wait in these super long lines also risk exposing themselves to even more people at each individual location. Right, and regarding that note, we saw a lot of people sharing videos on Twitter of lines wrapping around buildings, spanning whole blocks. While a lot of people did seem to be social distancing, we also saw a lot of people taking to Twitter to criticize this move with Wisconsin trending on Twitter. There we saw a lot of users saying that the move was undemocratic or it was voter suppression. Some directly accusing the state's Republicans of endangering their people, others condemning the SCOTUS decision. A lot of those points were echoed by Bernie Sanders who tweeted, it's outrageous that the Republican legislative leaders and the conservative majority on the Supreme Court in Wisconsin are willing to risk the health and safety of many thousands of Wisconsin voters tomorrow for their own political gain. Holding this election amid the coronavirus outbreak is dangerous, disregards the guidance of public health experts, and may very well prove deadly. For that reason, our campaign will not be engaged in any traditional get out the vote efforts. Now Joe Biden, for his part, has not said much since the decision, but on Thursday, he took a different stance, telling reporters, there's a lot of things that can be done, that's for the Wisconsin courts and folks to decide. With Biden reportedly going on to insist that in-person and mail-in voting could both be done safely. Now that said, it should be noted that on the other side of this, you also had people applauding the decision, saying that it was a good move. Others seemingly downplaying the move, like one Republican county chair named Jim Miller, who said, if you can go out and get fast food, you can go vote curbside. It's the same procedure. You also had Trump chiming in this morning, telling people to go out to vote for conservative Supreme Court justice. And ultimately, that is where we are right now, right? We have to wait and see how this impacts turnout, and unfortunately, if this impacts the spread of the coronavirus. As far as the official results from this election, it doesn't seem that we're gonna be getting those later today. And that's because the federal judge that initially allowed absentee ballots to be sent until April 13th also ruled that election officials had to hold results until that same day. And according to reports, the SCOTUS decision that overruled the federal court doesn't seem to have changed that part. All right, so we'll have to wait until Monday to see anything, but when we do see the results, it will be meaningful. Because yes, while you have 538 predicting that Biden has a 90% chance of winning the most votes, for me, the most interesting thing to watch is what is. Is the turnout of Republicans versus Democrats. Wisconsin is a key battleground state. Trump won it in 2016. He turned the state red for the first time in 30 years. All right, so it was already an important state, but then you throw in a just huge, variable in the coronavirus pandemic. Or when you look at other polls in general, Republicans are less worried about the coronavirus compared to Democrats. Right, so not only how much does that change voter turnout, but how much does it change voter turnout by party? And so Wisconsin essentially becomes the first test case for what kind of turnout we might see if this situation rolls into November. But for now, we have to wait for those results. And, and with this also, I wanna pass the question off to you. What are your personal thoughts about elections still being held in Wisconsin today? And that is where I'm going to end today's show. And hey, if you like this show, of course, hit us with that like button. If you're new here, definitely subscribe, tap that bell to turn on notifications so you don't miss this daily show. Also, if you're looking for more to watch, I got those new videos with Sean Evans out or maybe just missed yesterday's Philip DeFranco show you wanna catch up, you can click or tap right there to watch either of those right now. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco, you've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow. I hope you like the video, subscribe if you like it.